0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Yes, Lord. Sometimes you need to remind yourself that the stuff you fighting, you shouldn't be fighting on your own. But you should remind yourself that the Bible says that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And some of you have been punching some stuff and it ain't been working. And that's because your, your normal inclination is to just start fighting on your own. But if you would learn how to open up your mouth and get on your knees and begin to say, God, I'm going to lay this before you and labor before you in this. God will fight your battles. The Bible says, he, when reviled, he didn't revile in return, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Praise the great God and Savior who is able to fight better than you. How many of you know Jesus can fight better than you? It takes a lot of restraint, it takes a lot of restraint. But when you recognize that there's some things you've been working on, I've tried to fight some stuff myself and I did decently, but when I left it in the hands of the Lord, he took care of it way better than I could have taken care of it in my own hands. <laughs> Somebody ought to hear me today. Somebody ought to hear me today. There are times where he calls you to put your hand to the plow in the fight. And there are times that he says, "He says I want you to stand back. Pop got this. And um, that's a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. We'll remain standing on your feet. We're going to get into... I'll be in the pulpit next Sunday, um, but uh, uh, to this Sunday is my, our last Sunday in our series on spiritual warfare. Um, how many of you have this series been a blessing to you as we've gone through it? Amen. Our last Sunday in spiritual warfare. And um, our last Sunday there. Um, just remember, those of you who um, park, uh, we, uh, we're not allowed to park in Duckery's Parking lot right now. And so um, we'll revisit it in the fall, but uh, we are at the grind of, of course, going throughout the neighborhood, finding parking spaces. So it's the summer. The college students isn't here, so there's a little more open space. But as we get closer to to September, let's be in prayer about God moving some things so that we can have that parking available to us. all All right? All right. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. One, two, three. Read. Yeah. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of angels, will not from I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you find on earth will have been found in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And he gave the disciples' orders to sell no one in the name of God. Amen. Amen. our text tag today is the Unstoppable Church. I want to talk about today the unstoppable church and our last message in this series. Lord God, we thank you that um, there is power in your name and that there is victory that belongs to you. And Lord God, if we're in you, then that victory uh, is for us. And so God, I pray that you would help uh, us to reestablish today a love and passion for you, but also for the church Help us not to see church as a slang word, but Lord God, help us to see it as a word of holiness that reflects your blood-bought people who are called to impact the world. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So um, every year my sons and I go to A comic con down at the Pennsylvania Convention Center and so that's one of my ways of remaining connected to my sons particularly my oldest when you when you your your children get older like I've said before you want to have connection and influence you don't want everything to always be about discipline but sometimes it just needs to be just leisure conversation and so one of the ways I do that is I'm into the nerd world I like the nerd world we're in the, the DC and Marvel and Star Wars and that type of thing, is he telling me about games and uh, 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 redeemable anime stuff that he's making me learn. So I, I, I try to be up on my stuff so I can be connected with my son. But but, but what was interesting um, is, is, is every now and then I, I, I geek up on him. So that means I give him some information he don't know, you know, just so he can know that pops be studying too. You know, so, 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 you know. So, 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 you know, what, what, I, what I did was I, you know, I started doing a study on the X-Men, and I found out that there's this, uh, there, there's this level of X-Men that's called omega-level mutants. And an omega-level mutant, for all of my geeks out there, is, 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 a, is, is a mutant that has immeasurable power vastly beyond the normal mutant. And so we found out, I found out that Gambit was a omega-level mutant. But when I I don't know if you used to watch the show in the late '80s, early night. Dun 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 dun. That tune was hot, man. That tune was hot. And um, man, and um, I'm still a cartoon dude to this day. But what's interesting is Gambit. We found out was an Omega level mutant with all of this power. He can his power is to, is buzzing, it's buzzing. Um, is it, it transfer uh kinetic energy into an object for it to explode. But he was out of control with it. So what he ended up doing is because he couldn't get control of it, he went to a mutant scientist and asked him to do, uh, 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 I'm going to get this word right this time in this service, a uh, hemispherogrammy, which means they remove a piece of your brain. Now he did this where he got a partial one to remove this piece in order to, to download how powerful he was. In other words, instead of developing the disciplines as an omega-level mutant to control his powers and, 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 and utilizing his powers based on what he was created to do, instead of developing the disciplines, he had a shortcut taken to have something removed from him where he wouldn't walk in the power that he was created to walk in. Well, I believe the church many times, and I, and, and, and I, and I don't realize how powerful we are, but the challenge with the church uh, of Jesus Christ, the challenge is, is, is we are not walking in the discipline to help us to utilize the power that the living God has blood bought us and brought us into a relationship with him uh, um, to glorify and honor him in, in our commitment to transform, transform the world. And I, I want to make this, I want to I set the record straight. I'm a fan of the church. Now, when I say I'm a fan of the church, I'm not talking about the website, the online presence, the podcast. I'm talking about actual people. So, that, that's what, so I'm a fan of the church. So it's hard for you to come around me and talk smack about the people of God because I'm hopeful about you. So so, and because Jesus died for you, and since he died for you, that means that he put investment in you, listen to me, and he put his spirit in you and on you in order that stuff can get done. So, so I understand that it's popular right now if you want to get a cheap amen to talk about how trifling the church is and how church hurt the church is and how uh, hypocritical the church is. However, that's an easy amen. How about we grab a hold of the power that's invested in us and begin to walk in what God has called us to do? Because I'm gonna tell you what, as I was growing up, I wouldn't be standing in front of you if it wasn't for the church. (laughs) <laughs> I can remember them su- starting the substance abuse in, uh, a substance abuse uh, 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 organization during the crack area in the late 70s early 90s a block from my house and getting me off the street to talk to me about the wiles of substance abuse I was one of the only kids on my block except for two other dudes that two other ones that hadn't been shot put in jail or were out there shaking out we used to call it shaking out back back in the day when you was hustling and so and so but but i i i, I stand it as a reality that it was the church that kept me off the street. As a matter of fact, although I didn't get saved at that time, that church didn't only sociologically engage me, they also spiritually engaged me through having the liturgy in place. See, some of y'all don't know about liturgy. We're gonna start inserting that back in. Right to this day, I can still remember. I believe in God the Father Almighty, make of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, the only Son, our Lord. And he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, suffered a virgin mary, born upon crucified dead and birth third day, he rose from the dead, he ascended in heaven, he ascended at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From then he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the the, uh, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. That right there was what was utilized as a mechanism to bring me to faith in Jesus Christ. I learned that at five years old and up. The glory proprietary, the songs of Zion. Y'all don't know about, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Don't try to act like you know nothing about that. All of that stuff Helped nurture me, the Lord's table. All of those things helped. Was when, I, when I trusted Christ, all of that was leading me to faith. So I owe a lot to the church. But I've seen the church do other things. I've seen the church uh, change the trajectory of families. I've seen the church raise healthy generations. I, I, I've actually seen the church create, through discipleship, some of the best humans I've ever met. <laughs> I, I've seen it create neighborhood institutions that transformed inner cities. And I've seen drug addicts get clean. I could go on. But most of all, I've seen a lot of beastly crossbearers in the church. So when I say that, I believe that because I believe this text. And this text right here shows us why the church is what it is in the midst of the truth of our challenges. Yet in spite of our challenges and sins and brokenness, God's still working through you. God's still working through us. And so we come to this passage in uh, Jesus's journey as it's one of the most important passages. Everything that Jesus says is important. However, there's a level of emphasis of importance. Certain things that he says puts on everything else that he says. And so we come here in this passage. He's chopping it up with his disciples, which brings me to my first point on the unstoppable church. Number one, if you're going to recognize that you're the unstoppable church, not, uh, uh, if you're going to recognize that, you have to be clear on who Jesus is. You have to be clear on who Jesus is. Now, I like this passage because of where he's saying it at. Now, what he says, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is about to say, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He didn't say it in Jerusalem or Judea. He said it in Caesarea Philippi. Now if you understand Caesarea Philippi, that was Gentile territory. What was that to let you know? First off, that he was gonna send the gospel to the world, although he originally came from the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. However, it also lets you know that um, Caesarea Philippi, whether you know it or not, was idolatrous territory. So he wanted to make sure, y'all may not say amen on the rest of this part, but but he wanted to make sure that where he talked about where he built his church was in hard places, not comfortable places. See, see, too many of us base our connection to a church on our personal preferences versus God's biblical principles. If the mic ain't right, we're leaving. If the children's ministry ain't right, we're leaving. If the songs ain't right, we're leaving. If we can't find a parking space, we're leaving. If we gotta walk too much, we're leaving. If we gotta invest in something, we're leaving. I mean, hot shoe and we're leaving. But, but but what's interesting about What you were called to do is the church wasn't something that was created for you to call and assess whether or not you wanted to be a part of it. Oh, I'm by myself. The church was something that you became a part of and you dealt with the cause that you were dealt and you became a solution oriented missionary that was on task with the community of faith to do work together, not just to get fed. See, many of us, oh, we're just here just to get fed. This is the wrong church for that. Now, it's not that you're not going to get fed, but we're pushing for actual disciples to be made, actual people to be on mission together. Yes. And, and you got in your mind, when well, you're going to take six off, we took one. But anyway, whether we did it or not, um, you should be glorifying to God with your resources. Stop using excuses yes. about that because guess what? We were called not to go to comfortable places. Where Jesus said he's going to build his church, he made that statement in a demonic area. That means that we should be used to being this uncomfortable. See, if the pews ain't right, we're ready to leave. But, 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 but look, look, look when the church, the, the church invisible during slavery met under a tree. Our friends in Malawi, they're meeting, they were meeting under a tree on the tarp and the church was growing while it was happening in that particular situation. In other words, we, we need to begin to switch our mind what the church is and begin to walk in biblical authenticity of what we're called to be. Not this community that makes us comfortable, not this organized 501c3 disposition of church community, but I'm talking about just a commitment to God's mission and what he's called us to do. I was wondering this morning as I was in the shower, if this building went out of existence and we had to meet on the lots, how many people would show up? Amen. I, I ask I, because I, 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 I ask myself, how many people are actually Epiphany Fellowship? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if the air de- if it's if it's ninety-five degrees outside and it's a little hot, right. will that be enough discomfort for them not to worship, <laughs> to hear the word? Listen, because we because you you know what a lot of pastors have to meet about. We have to meet about how to pacify people enough to keep them in a building. Well, what if the, well, if we do that, the people won't come. No, the, the numbers are going to be... Th- I get sick of right. trying to work yes, yes. stuff around your ability to be comfortable enough to be a disciple. Yes. I mean, I mean, stability is based on your soul, not the facility you're in. And so when, he, when he's talking about the Caesarea Philippi, he's talking about an uncomfortable territory. In other words, he wanted to start the church where he wanted it to end. He began with the end in mind because he wants to come back with people still trusting in him. That's why he said when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Because it's going to get harder as time goes along. And he says, will anybody be trusting in me at that time? In other words, what do you need to be a disciple And so so, so when we talk about knowing who Jesus is, it says he asked this of his disciples. I like that he asked this. He says, so who do people say that I am? I I, I love Jesus. Now, Now, what's interesting is we've misquoted that. He didn't say, who do men say that I am? He said, who do men say that the son of man is? Now that's important. Because Jesus isn't asking them that question because his love language is words of encouragement. (laughs) Well, Jesus is asking that question because he already knows who he is, because his identity is based on Daniel 9, the son of man who is the ancient of days. But what he's doing is he's asking, listen, he's asking them, do they know who he, what are people saying about him? And then he wants to uh, uh, get his people to understand, are you taking public poll? Or are you taking the scriptures? Now, I know today you wouldn't say he's Elias or he, he, he's, he, he's a Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I know in the church house, we, we wouldn't say that. But you know, we're in a society where people are reevaluating who Jesus Christ is. So, you know, Jesus is Mithra, and he's Serapis, and he's Krishna, and just all of this stuff that came into existence in his story after the birth narrative even happened, and finding false narratives on that. But it's funny to me, because these same folk in the sub-redeemed melanated community, and I'm not talking about the true gospel melanated, I'm talking about sub, you know, like, let's, 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 let's break down some stats, family. Number one, Your great-grandmother was fed by the church. Your mom's was in Sunday school helped in church. Your dad, so let's, let's go through your lineage. Like, you wouldn't even be sitting here if the church of Jesus Christ in your hood or in your suburb wasn't a cradle for your generation to even exist for your little silly behind to be sitting up in around on the end. In- Before there was the Internet, there was the black church and communities helping and challenging and raising up people. So now you get a little bit of education and information and now you're trying to act like you know more than anything, but all you do is tweet, but no change. You got ha- you got more hashtags, uh, listen, you got more hashtags than there's water in the oceans on earth, but don't have any praxis in the community. I can tell you right now that the church of Jesus Christ got, 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 got listen, they got stamps on these streets. If, if the streets of cities were passports, we'd have more passports that fill up more earths, more suns than ever because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we'll do is in our society, we get educationally sophisticated. And that doesn't mean that our faith isn't reasonable, but what it does means is we so easily forget the beautiful practicality of of what the church has done for us. I mean, you got your boy, you know, I ain't hating on nobody, so don't be mad at me if I mention one of your little stars that you like, right? You know, like D.O. Hughley, he popping his gums about the church all the time. You got Killer Mike with his little show on Netflix. You know, so he got the church of sleep, which I don't understand what that is. They smoke weed and sleep. That's his church. I mean, I'm just look at, you got Bill Maher talking smack. You know, and then you got, you know, we, you know there's things we like about it. There's things we're going to put on blast. You know, we love you. So, 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 so Oprah, you know, you know, when, when, when you begin talking about hell, she'll say, my God is a God of love. And I'll say, my God's more than that. Let me explain something to you when you make God out to be one of his attributes, you subsidize who he is. Yes. See, 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 when you're a believer, you accept all of who God is, even the parts you don't like. Yes. 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 Holiness all right till you gotta get a spanking. So now he's just a God of love and grace and mercy. But 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 listen, even in his holiness, he's being gracious, merciful and loving because he didn't beat you as bad as he could have somebody. You missed your shout moment right there. And and so so for me, when I look at the reality of of, of what we what we what people do is people like the Jesus, you know, who, like I always say, you know, running in fields, smacking lilies and tickling Peter and eating granola. They like like, you know, they, they, they like the. They like the, you know, the, this Jesus. They like that one. But they don't like the one going up in the temple, rolling up his sleeves, slamming stuff over. He's both and. <laughs> He's both lamb and lion. <laughs> or maybe both, somebody get that on the way home. <sighs> yes. And so when we, when we look at this, he says, but he asks, who do you say that I am? Uh, who do you say that I am? In other words, he wanted to see if they understood who he is based on proper assessment of who he is. Let me see if I can make a plain. So when, when me and my wife, when, when I first knew that I was going to uh, commit myself to marrying her, you know, whatever I'm into, I'm into. So I went, you know, to look, out, look at diamonds. You understand what I'm saying? Pour it in the mug. You understand? <laughs> Trying to figure it out. But... What I wanted to do was I began to study diamonds. So I got me one of them little Johns you're holding your eye like that, and you look at stuff. I got me one of those, right? And, <laughs> and so I began learning about the VS1s and 2s all the way down to the Ss. And you know, the Ss, those are flawless. You know, the VS Johns, them, them the flawless Johns right there. Bam. So, so what ended up happening, though, is I would look at these big diamonds. I'm like, oh, that, that John costs a grip. That joint is all right. So I put the little the thing on my eye and I look and I see carbon all in it because I started learning all that. Yellow means carbon and orange. And you know, I saw the abrasions in it. So I said, this is big, but why does this cost this much? Then I look at the smaller one who is comparable to this one, but in price, but it's smaller. And I looked at the one that's smaller and I said, man, I can't find many flaws in it. Because many people would look at the bigger one and think because it's bigger, it has more value. But when you look at it closely, it got all kinds of flaws in it. But the one that people ignore, you look into that one and you begin to look in it. Why is this worth so much? And you look in it and you see that there's so much value in it because it's a flawless diamond. When you understand who Jesus Christ is, you go out in the world and you put your little binocular on and you look at all of these false Christs and you can look down in them and they're full of flaws. But when you go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Mighty One of Jesus Christ, and you put it on and you begin to look based on the Word of God, you see no flaws, no flaws. So in verse 16 it says, Simon Peter answered, it says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Amen. Now I like Jesus' response to it, which brings me to my second point. You've been given supernatural insight. Now, I want you to meditate on this for a second. Now, what's funny is Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. I was like, why did he call him Simon, son of John? Then said, flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. He said, you're son of John, Jonah, but he says, but he didn't reveal this to you. Not your earthly father, but my heavenly father who is in heaven revealed this to you. So you didn't get this from your daddy, you got this from my daddy. That, that, that's, that's what I like about the verse. But, but what I like more about it is that he shows him the gift of understanding the gospel. I want, I want you to really not run past that. If you understand and have embraced the gospel, it is a supernatural reality. Because I know that you have talked to people and sent them articles, and you sent them updates, and you sent them apologetic websites, and you talked to them for hours over coffee, and they still don't trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Because I'm going to let you know, as much apologetics as you do, that's important, but listen, they need a supernatural engagement. By God in which, the Bible said the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving in order that they may not be able to see the gospel of peace. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, literally you've had the blinders of darkness taken off your eyes. And now you are able to see the beauty and glory and majesty and power and dominion of the gospel. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. Let me tell you something, I used to, I, I was in, I was studying to be in the Nation of Islam, I was reading the Metru Netta and all of that. I ain't had nobody, no, there was no apologist around me. And I was smoking this stuff in my car. You know, because you know, those things, are like, I, was, I was getting nice. In my Honda Protege. I remember I was in Tubman's parking lot. I'll never forget it. Be, and, and, and I was smoking, getting hot in a mug. And all of a sudden, I, some, somebody, that's when they used to make friends and make tapes for you. That's how they did evangelism. And so I pushed the tape in and commission came on. i like, what in the world is this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about something Tell me about something. I'm running back to you? Yeah. Then all of a sudden the high just got killed. <laughs> then I put the, the beady stick down and, and um, tried to run. I tried to drive off. I said, I don't know what's happening. Let me drive away from this. I thought I could drive away from the presence of God. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, what this. what is this? It's done messed up my high. I'm, I'm trying to get my high on, you know how I'm saying? I'm trying to get my high. And, and, and no matter where I went, I was being held on to. And let me explain something. I didn't know people were praying for me and, and and, and 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 all that, and guess what, the blinders came off and I was able to see the glorious gospel of peace. If you understand the gospel, it is a supernatural reality. You can study the history of Jesus you want, you can look at as much archeology span as you want, you can go to Libya, you can read Thomas Oden, you can look at the church fathers, listen, you can look at, uh, uh, you, can, you can look at all, you can look at the Jesus mystery, you can look at all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm just telling you right now, no matter how much information you give a person, they have to understand and believe that he is the Christ. I gotta move, I gotta move. Um, Lastly, Jesus is building a stable, lasting community. Um, He's building a stable, lasting community. This is amazing. Um, So he says, and also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Powerful statement. What is he saying here? He says, you're a rock, but upon this rock, he said, not but, he says, and, not but, contrasting Peter with the and, he includes him with the and, he he, he includes Peter with the rock. So he says, upon this Peter, he said, you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. When he says this here, this is dope because he's basically calling Peter one of the foundational elements of the church. Most people think the rock is Jesus here, but I'm going to explain to you how it's not the rock and why Jesus says he's going to build upon it. If it was Jesus, why would he say he'd build upon it if he's the rock? Let me explain something to you. So in in the Bible, it talks about, in in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So Jesus Christ is a part of the foundation, but the foundation is built in alignment with the cornerstone. Are you tracking with me? The cornerstone is always built first in order that the foundation can have alignment. If he's the rock, then he can't be the cornerstone. So in other words, you look over in 1 Peter chapter 2, and everyone that trusts Jesus Christ as Savior is a stone that's built onto the foundation of the apostles and prophets as we trust and we're believed to be uh, uh, put together into an eternal temple in the name of the Lord. So now what we see is Christ is building a stable community. That means that, guess what? Churches should be some of the most stable places people can go for emotional stability for emotional protection. Women should feel protected in the church, not dejected in the church. Oh, ain't nobody gonna talk back to me. Children, boys and little girls shouldn't feel like fearful at the church that they'd be molested. Pastors shouldn't be trying to smash everything from to El Segundo in the church. Ain't nobody gonna talk back. The, The church should be one of the most stable places On the planet because of who the Bible teaches that the church is supposed to be upon this rock. We are stones on top of the rocks, which makes us rocks too. So he saved you for stability, not instability. And so it should be a safe place to be in, right? But then he says, I'll be on my church. He didn't say your church. He didn't say, let's go to Eric Mason's church. That's not in the Bible. If this Eric Mason's church, run right now. Everybody, pick up your stuff, run. Because whoever church it is, is the one who sustains it. And I think I know how to say a little bit of something, but I can tell you, I can tell you this. The reason why I'm taking a sabbatical is because I need to take a sabbatical. Jesus doesn't. <laughs> so so, so he, and then he says, and the gates of Hades, or it can be translated death. De- death, death, death. In, in, in other words, in other words. Death is constantly haunting the church. What do we mean by that? We're supposed to be a kingdom advancing institution or organism. But what happens is, is the enemy is always trying to kill something in and through the church in order that the church won't be who God has called her to be. Why is it gates? Because gates always are set up to keep you out of something. And because the God of this world is still working He's trying to work hard against us, not getting into different things that God has called our communities of faith to do. So listen to me, family. When we're doing what God wants us to do, there can be no gain. When we're doing foolishness, when we're wilding, death can come against us because that's not the function of his church. But when we're doing what God has called us to do, this is dope, y'all. We get the grace and the power of having the strength that nothing can stop us, not legislation, not policies, not politicians, not, not, not cults, not anything is able to stop the church. When God, by his visionary prowess, invests in the church the ability for stuff to get done, it will get done. He says they won't overpower it. And then he says something powerful. He says... He says, I have given you, I will give you keys of the kingdom. He didn't say you singular. He said you southern, which is plural, y'all. He says, I'm giving y'all the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which goes back to Isaiah 22, 22, 20 to 22. In other words, when death tries to come, you have the key to those gates. You missed it when the gates get in front of you, you unlock them and just move through them. But that's all you got to do. Whenever, whenever the enemy tries to bring death, you have to have the right biblical key for each gate it tries to bring up. All you got to do is, oh, I got the key to that. The gospel's the key, clack, ah, hey, just go on through it. Because, the, but what happens is, don't stare at the gate, just pull out the keys. What he begins to do is, he then begins to say something and I'm done. He said, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Loosed and bound simply means this. Bind means to forbid. Loose means to permit. Now, most of us be like, Satan, I bind you. That's not what that's for. It's for us together, not us merely individually. In other words, this is not for mere individual. How do I know that? Because in chapter 18 of Matthew, listen to me. It says two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in a mess." But what does he say? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound to him, whatever you So he says in the context of there being more than one believer together, there can be legally binding things that happen that help the church to be move forward in the world. So you can't be an individual Christian that just watches streams and podcasts and thinking you're functioning in kingdom principles. You're only a kingdom people if you're connected to the people, not just you thinking that you're just connected to the person. It's both connected to the people and the person of Jesus Christ. So that means that that's why when, when when we do church discipline, which I know that's a lost art in our time, when you hand that person over to Satan, heaven affirms that. And removes the Job hedge of protection off of them so that God can deal with them through using the enemy as a way to bring them back into the faith. When someone is affirmed as a member of the church, we affirm that for a reason. When someone's baptized or ordained, that's when that's our binding and loosing. When we send churches into the world to be communities of fighting, guess what happens every time you plant a church? A candle is lit for it in heaven based on Revelation 2. And whenever a church goes out of existence, it's blown out. But we have the legal authority and right to deal with everything, even the seen and unseen things that we deal with in this world because we have authority. Now, most of the time, and I'm done, most of the time we'll feel like it's too much for us. Most of the, most of the things that you're using the keys to the kingdom to is too much for you. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a boxing fan. I'm a boxing fan. And I love 80s and 90s heavyweight boxing. Just telling you right now, that's the era. I mean, dudes was boos, boos, I mean, tearing each other up. But what would always, I mean, dude be like 250, solid mass, locking cats clean out. Or they just be in the thing fighting. But what was always weird to me is you got this little itty-bitty referee. I mean, they always microscopic type cats, right? I mean. Up in the middle with all of these big dudes. But what's interesting to me is no matter how good these dudes could fight, no matter how much power they had, the ref always had authority. A person can have power, but not have any authority. See, see, the church is supposed to be able to jump as the referee on earth in the midst of darkness. And to be, and people are like, why are they here? You don't know who we come with. You don't know how we roll. We just get to look at each other and say, let's show them how we roll. And we stamp our feet down and we begin to go into areas and go into cities and go into the world and rip down principalities, rip down brokenness, rip down challenges, all because we've been called to that. Listen, take the miracle crusade to the streets. All the miracle crusades we do is in the church where the offerings happen. Let's take the Miracle Crusades and do them out in the streets for free. And when I talk about Miracle Crusades, I'm not talking about flossing people. I'm talking about transformational stuff that the church is called to do. So I'm done. My prayer is, is that the church will never be a slang term in our mouth again. That now the church, that now the church would be a ferocious community and when we hear that word we hear this we don't hear people's caricatures we don't hear any memes and god forbid stop putting out memes about funny things that happened in the church because we're training people in the world to think of us as a joke all we do is dance and all we do is have people fall on the ground and their wigs fall off like like the Bible says, quit court jesting and do what's giving forth of praise. Father, we thank you. We honor you and we bless you, God, that you are the mighty God. God, help the church, help us to not be a joke in the world. But Lord God, help us to be your true blood community in the world. Maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Christ is Savior.